Good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us? you just a couple of things about our service before the announcements. This is the hanging of the green service in both our 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. That means we'll bring elements that you see in the life of the church and all around the community forward and explain why those elements matter. Um, so you'll see that immediately following this next song. But during this song, we want to give you the opportunity, children and adults, if you'd like to decorate the tree, there's a basket with crispons in front of it. We invite you during the song to go over and take one. And if uh, children need a little help with height, if you'll help them out. Uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this space, for this opportunity to worship, for this wonderful day in which we celebrate elements of nature and how they remind us of you. Use every part of this service to bless us and serve us that we may go forth and bless and serve others. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
5 and 6. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his day Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called, The Lord is our righteousness. In ancient times, the cedar was revered as a tree of royalty. It also signified immortality and was used for purification. We place this cedar branch as a sign of Christ, who reigns as king forever, and whose coming in justice and righteousness will purify our hearts. Isaiah 9, verses 2 and 6 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Because the needles of pine and fir trees appear not to die each season, the ancients saw them as signs of things that last forever. Isaiah tells us that there will be no end to the reign of the Messiah. Therefore, we hang these wreaths of evergreens shaped in a circle, which itself has no end, to signify the eternal reign of Jesus the Christ. The prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 1 through 6. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity, and as one from whom others hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For Christians, the Isaiah passage reflects the suffering of Jesus, who saved us from our sins by his death on the cross and by his resurrection from the dead. In past times, Holy, Holly and Ivy were seen as signs of Christ's passion. Their prickly leaves suggested the crown of thorns, the red berries the blood of the Savior, and the bitter bark the drink offered to Jesus on the cross. As we place the Holly and Ivy, let us rejoice in the coming of Jesus our Savior. Hear the mystery of the Incarnation from John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 and 9 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. As we prepare for the coming of Jesus, the light of the world, we light the chrismon tree. During this Advent, wherever you see a lighted Christmas tree, let it call to your mind the one who brings light into our darkness, healing to our brokenness, and peace to all who receive him. Pray with me. Holy Lord, we come with joy to celebrate the birth of your Son, who rescued us from the darkness of sin by making the cross a tree of life and light. May this tree, arrayed in splendor, remind us of the life-giving cross of Christ, that we may rejoice in the new life that shines in our hearts. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Psalm 33, 20 through 22. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in Him because we trust in His holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Something is coming. It is more than presence. We open the book of hope and read the promise. Our hearts are glad. We trust God's holy name. Today we light the candle of hope. Our hope is in the Lord. That was a rookie move. Walking in front of the projector. Welcome to Memorial United Methodist. We decided that we would set the tone, we'd set the space before we did any announcements before I spoke because we want to make sure that you understand why these things are here. And if we gave a pop quiz to the average person as to why you see all of these elements around people's homes and neighborhoods and in their churches, and we said, A, because our grandparents did it, B, because Chip and JoJo do it on HGTV, or C, it was part of the Christian tradition before any of us could ever imagine. C. Now those things have been elevated by our grandparents and by Chip and JoJo and everybody else on HGTV making these things more beautiful. But the origin and the symbolism comes from a long way back connecting us all. And you'll see that in this season. Um, there's a new football season in August. There's a new uh, year in your life on your birthday. There's a new year on the calendar on January 1st. And the Christian church, the new year starts on the first Sunday of Advent. And that's today. And in so doing, we look and prepare ourselves for the coming of a baby. The same way parents would prepare themselves, grandparents would prepare themselves, aunt and uncles would prepare themselves for the coming of a baby. So we read texts that aren't immediately about a baby. We read texts that prepare communities for the right mindset, for the right um, actions, beliefs, listening, um, that people can be ready on Christmas Eve. Let's start briefly with our announcements. We like to frame them in our five practices of fruitful congregations. We don't live these perfectly, but we try our very best. The first of which is radical hospitality. And if you've joined us today for the first time, or it's the first couple Sundays, if you're uh, um, with uh, loved family or friends and you're here, welcome. We're so grateful that you've joined us today. We hope that you were greeted at the door, that you saw coffee and snacks are here, that we have security check-in back there, and we have restrooms over here. If you need any of those things, make sure that um, our ushers know to stand up and um, uh, they will find you and help you. We have visitor cards and prayer cards. If you want to give us any information about you, any contact information, uh, be, please do. It's at the back table. Our ushers will help you do that. We'll contact you in whatever form that you give us. If you want to participate in the prayer life, of our church. Um, we have prayer cards. If you'd like to raise your hand, an usher will bring you a card and um, they will share it with our Tuesday prayer group. The front of your bulletin has a phone number that's a 24-7 phone number for pastoral care. If you need an immediate response from us, simply say so on the voicemail and we'll be there. If you need just a prayer concern, share it and we will. Um, if you need it to be confidential, say so and it will be. Um, any one of those things you can do at any time and we'll get an immediate response for it. Supper at 6 is this week, um, this Wednesday, and today is the last day to register for it. We'll be making Advent wreaths in the social hall. It was a total success last year. You could take on a homemade, like Chip and JoJo on HGTV, wreath back to your house. Um, if you would like to do that, you'll see the details in the bulletin. Our, our announcements are framed in the exact same way in your bulletin. Uh, Radical Hospitality is the first. Um, Brett Hovis is cooking for us now. He cooked before I was here. Rave reviews. They went to Texas. They've come back. He's cooking again. Um, and we'll be cooking this Wednesday. You'll see the menu and details. You can sign up in the attendance register as it comes by.
We believe in passionate worship. And you'll see on the back of your bulletin uh, different things that are happening in our two services. Also, I want to make sure that you notice as you came in, did you see the prayer garden is different every time you come? There's now a fountain there um, uh, from the work of our Stepping Stones class, the youngest class we have on campus. We're grateful to them. And you'll continue to see um, the completion of that project. The sanctuary chancel area, the, the front where I stand, is undergoing changes that we presented last week. It's going to allow for 10 to 15 more seats for our choir because our choir is growing. Uh, thanks to our volunteers and to Renessa. You'll see the people that put the plan together kept the spaces close as possible to the original beauty while adding 12 to 15 seats. It's, uh, um, it's amazing. Uh, we believe in intentional faith development. Uh, Sunday night resumes tonight. We have programming for children, youth, and adults. If you would like to come, you'll see details in the intentional faith development section. You'll also see a note about a podcast that I do every week. Uh, should you be here, should you not be here, you can learn more about what we're talking about on Sunday morning. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. You'll see the coat drive announcement in your bulletin. Please pay attention to that, and I guarantee, I guarantee, you have a nice coat that you don't use in your house. A nice one. Uh, bring it. We believe in extravagant generosity. Part of that is uh, our time and our talent. Um, we have volunteer surveys that are going out in every email, a digital version. We encourage you to participate if you like a handheld version. Uh, we have them in the back of the table. It'll take five minutes um, to fill it out. Just express your interest in doing so, and we'll put you in the exact spot that you want to be. Take your bulletin home with you and read it and have it on your refrigerator uh, so that you know the fun stuff that's coming. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we have prepared this space. We've gathered together. We've sung together. We've prayed together. Prepare our hearts and minds for the hearing of the word that we may understand your will for us today, tomorrow, this week, until we gather again. Inspire us, teach us, love us, Lord, with the pray, prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. <coughs> I want to start off with an image. Assume fire can quickly bring up several thoughts for you, several memories for you. It can be a gathering force, like a fire pit in the backyard, like an oyster roast, like a, um, a roasted marshmallows, fire in the den, and everyone sitting around it in rocking chairs. Fire can be a threat to the thing that you love. When I was in the first grade, a fire burned down the church, my home church, but for the sanctuary. It can threaten uh, neighborhoods, it can threaten forests, it can threaten entire communities. Fire is an instrument of calling. People who knew in their heart they'd never do anything in the name of God ever again, and they just hoped they'd be out on the edge and never have to do something, were called in the midst of fire, in the vision of fire. And so it can be a gathering force, a threat to the thing you love, an instrument of calling. Today it's something a little different, and it's pretty unique in this text as compared to the entire Bible. Our scripture reading today is one of, uh, is an extension of one of the readings that we had today uh, in the hanging of the green service, Isaiah 9, starting with verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the pitch-dark land, light has dawned. You have made the nation great. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as those who divide the plunder rejoice. So here's your first phrase. The work of a prophet. Some people figure prophets like looking at a crystal ball, so telling you your future so that you can have some kind of impact over the present because you know the future. 
Sometimes they'd look ahead. Sometimes they would look exactly where they were. Sometimes they would look back at past events and tell whatever leader it was, whether it be the people gathered of a nation, whether it be a political leader, whether it be a rival political leader, a prophet has the job of understanding what God wants and recognizing what people are doing. Imagine a basketball coach watching what's happening going, no, 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 time out. Come here, come here. That coach knows what we talked about before what's happening. That coach sees what's happening and knows it's going too fast for people to think and then draws them in and says, okay now, remember what we said? Remember it has nothing to do with what they're doing. Remember what we do. Prophet has that job to speak truth of what they are seeing. A conquering nation is coming to the king of which this prophet is speaking. His nation is divided. Imagine our nation being divided north and south. It isn't all that hard. North and south, the kingdom of Israel is divided. Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And a sweeping army, a dominating army is coming through. And coming for the northern kingdom and ultimately coming for his kingdom. Any political leader that sees a force coming that they can't stop has got to think, what am I going to do? And the king that Isaiah is advising is thinking, well, we don't really trust this nation over here. We don't really believe this nation over here. This nation over here could turn on us in half a second, but at least they're bigger than the nation that's coming. Maybe we should form an alliance with this nation. And Isaiah goes, mm-mm, mm-mm. Hold on. Hold on. Even though this conquering nation is coming, and even though you, Ahaz, want to hedge your bets and say, let's align with this nation, don't do it. He says, our, our power, our strength, our faith, our belief does not come from humankind as much as we try to do it. When have you, in a moment of weakness aligned yourself with people that you didn't exactly trust in order to get through whatever it was? When have you placed your trust in a relationship, in a job, in something at church where you said, this is the only thing that can pull me through, or I'm the only thing that can pull me through, and it was only at the very last second that you said, well, maybe I ought to talk to God about it. Maybe I ought to pray about it. Maybe I ought to pause and think this through. Isaiah says, hold on. And here's the fascinating thing. Um, back up all the way to the text. Back up. Look at that. What tense is that? It's past tense. He's talking about the future. He's using the past tense to talk about the future. One of my favorite worship preparers, uh, Don Saliers, said this. So you've done this before. You might not have thought about it. When you are speaking to someone who's experiencing true brokenness, pain, loss, whatever, you've said to them with great assurance what it's going to take to get through and what it means to walk through this event to the other side with the help of God, with the help of the Christian community, with the help of your circle of friends, your Sunday school class, whatever it may be. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Let's go forward to verse 4. 3. As on the day of Midian, you have shattered the yoke of the people that burden them. You have shattered the yoke that burdened them staff on their shoulders and the rod of their pressure because every boot of the thundering warriors and every garment rolled in blood will be burned fuel for the fire a child is born to us a son is given to us and authority will be on his shoulders so your next phrase consuming fire this is why I'm bringing fire up today 
Let me give you three things that were in that. The yoke of burden. Some farming in this community. There's some farming in this congregation. There's some farming in your roots. And while uh, amazing uh, machines have come along to help with farming, everyone remembers animals and the yoke that you would put on them, occasionally just one animal, occasionally two animals. And that animal, for whatever part of the day, had to do whatever needed to be done because the farmer needed it. I don't know if you've carried a child at an amusement park up on your shoulders, if you've carried heavy bags from the grocery store because you just refuse to take more than one trip from the car and the garage up to the house. You're like, I'm getting it all. I'm going for it all right now. You've carried it all and the keys are in your pocket and the door is locked and you're holding it or something won't happen you're just thinking, mm, there's eggs in this one. That sense of holding it in a way that you know you cannot sustain is a physical version. But there's all kinds of emotional and spiritual burdens that we have that many times are self-inflicted. The prophet Isaiah says to the king, there's been a yoke and it's going to be removed. A yoke that we've placed on ourselves. There's been a rod. It's been a source of oppression. That is part of the people's uh, uh, lives, the people of Israel. They've been beaten, they've been enslaved, they've been chased, they've been killed, they've been conquered. He said, this rod of oppression is going to go away. Now, I'm seriously doubting many of you for any length of time have beaten someone with a stick. There may have been occasions in which you were harmed by one for a short amount of time, for an extended amount of time. Whatever amount of time it is, you know that this is not a good thing. But I guarantee you've sued something against someone too. You've been emotionally abusive as well. You've been verbally abusive as well. You might not have screamed at them, but you've said things that have undercut them. You might not have been screamed at. You might have been screamed at by someone. Your heart, your hope, your purpose might have been undercut by someone else. And it's an oppressive thing. <coughs> He says the yoke is going to be gone. The rod is going to be gone. This is the most interesting part. Bloody garments that are the result of war. Boots that are desperately necessary in order to be a soldier in war. He says we're going to put those in a big fire. Because we don't need them anymore. Imagine telling a soldier... We don't need these bloody garments anymore. We don't need these boots anymore. We're going to put them in one large fire and it's going to take it all. So the burden, the oppression, and the violence, instruments and evidence of battle. You ever see um, a shark that's made it a long time, a whale that's made it a long time, an alligator that's made it a long time? They've got serious scars all over them from having fought. Now if your emotional, verbal, whatever battles were truly shown in scars that people could see, we might be easier on one another. We might be more helpful to one another because we might see that pain that's been inflicted. Now imagine being a king and hearing from a prophet who's always talking about this God stuff He's always telling me to be better. He's always telling me to pray more. He's always telling me to have more faith. This guy's telling me, even though there's a conquering nation coming, if there were 24-hour news networks, they'd be losing their minds with this thing coming. He's saying, don't buck up. Don't align with this nation. Believe that there is a time that is coming in which these things will be gone. What would you do as a king? Would you align yourself with a much darker country? A country that doesn't align with your God at all in order to get the biggest guns, the biggest army, the most people and get more garments and more boots to go up and fight? Or might you listen to the prophet? That's a legit 
difficult choice. Verse 6. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom, establishing and sustaining it with justice and righteousness now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of heavenly forces will do this. Go back one more for me. <laughs> the thing you'd want if you were going to think about not aligning with another country that could go beat this country and then we'll deal with that country whenever we have to. If you said, I'm going to align myself with a person, I'd love for him to have some warrior titles. Wonderful counselor. How, how big is a sword of a counselor? Have you seen one when you go for counseling? Have you seen weapons in that office? No. no. Have you seen guns in a counselor's office? Mm-mm. Mighty God's something. Eternal Father's something. Prince of Peace? We're going to get a counselor, and we're going to get someone who wants peace, and they're going to go present themselves to this conquering nation, and then everything will be fine. Hmm. That seems like a challenge. And you know what our political leaders have said for decades, maybe centuries? May God bless America. It's a sense from this time in the Bible in which God blessed a singular nation in the overwhelming conquering of other nations at any cost. Of course we want God to bless America. But this is a shift. The one who's coming, he's saying, this is Isaiah, this is way before Jesus is ever here. The one who's coming is a prince of peace. The one who's coming is a wonderful counselor. And there's no hedging your bets against the violence that's coming. There's choosing one or choosing the other. This is a very difficult choice. And that's your last um, phrase. Royal titles. If you watch any show uh, that is of, uh, has kings or queens or um, conquering nations, whatever it is, and you see someone that's ascended to a throne and someone is coming to visit them at that throne, they have an announcer here that will say the conqueror of this nation, the commander of whatever, the champion of whatever, in order to intimidate the people who are here. The royal titles of the one who's coming have to do with counseling, have to do with peace, have to do with hope. That should impact us. It should impact the way that we prepare to talk to other people. You ever think like relatives are coming and you think, man, if she says this, I'm going to be ready. I've taken it for three years. I'm not taking it again. Watch what I say in front of everybody if this person says this again. If you're preparing in the boardroom, if you've got a major presentation for the end of the year and you're thinking, I've got to defeat this person in order to get the thing that I want. I've got to bend the rules in order to get the account. I've got to do whatever I've got to do. I've got to hedge my bets in order to win. This text should challenge you. The royal titles are in the name of a child. He says to the king, with a massive conquering nation coming, don't worry, don't worry. There's an infant coming. And this infant loves peace. And the king says what? What? You mean do what? This is as revolutionary. We take it for granted. Yep, baby comes December 25th. Every year. And um, we watch HGTV and we decorate our doors and we're good. Everybody in the neighborhood thinks we're good. But this revolutionary text that kicks off this season 
talks about peace in the face of violence. It's as revolutionary text as there is. So do you have the belief that an infant, a frail human being, and I think I have the fire one more time. Do you have the belief that an infant, a frail human being, can take the yoke that you have, that in many cases is self-inflicted, can take the burdens that you have, can take the oppression that you've experienced or that you've inflicted, that takes the boots that you figure you need for war, that takes the garments that are bloody from your interactions and your pain and your loss and place them there. Do you really believe that an infant can do that? If you don't, or if you wonder, count yourself in the majority. But what we're going to do all season long is look at texts that preceded this infant and look at texts about his mother and his father and his earthly father and his aunt and his cousin and see how all of those things connected to the birth of a child in a strange place on the edge who was going to change the world such that we would still be talking about it today. I hope that you'll tune in. I hope that you'll come to worship. I hope that you'll, if you miss, you'll watch the video or you'll listen to the podcast because we're going to tell an important story from now until December 24th. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand as you're able, and if you'd like to join us in our affirmation of faith, you're welcome to do so. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all His works, and whose will is directed to His children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. Kathy Farron joined us last week in the band, and her son Tyler is joining us this week. We also have Jimmy White, which gives us Jimmy, Jim, and Jimmy. I'm afraid there's some sort of practice in the hiring policy, uh, but we'll be investigating that. Uh, it's time for our offering. If you would like to give as the plate goes by, you're welcome to do so. If you'd like to give online, there's instructions in the bulletin. If you'd like to rely on the amazing generosity of our people who are already here, please do. They're very generous. Thank you.
Would you please stand and sing this last one with us? Start it.